Well, it's that time of year where the snow is fading away. And some of us are going on spring break. Gee, where have you been, man? Spring break. Family trip down to Myrtle Beach. Really nice. My kids really enjoyed the ocean. It's, I think it, it's really remarkable, these kids, when they're doing like their first of everything, like first time in the ocean. Yeah. Magic. Do you go anywhere for spring break? Do you have spring break? We have spring break coming up, and in what will not surprise you, I'm going down to Mass Tours Made Perfect in Las Vegas while my kids go skiing. So nice. That is the the life of a business owner. Excellent. Um, no Myrtle Beach for me. I'll be hanging out with a bunch of lawyers on Easter. By the way, Mass Tours Made Perfect. No reason for us to have to set up on Easter Sunday. That does not win husband points with my spouse. You heard it here first. Although they're going to hear after. Mass Tours yeah, Made Perfect because we're recording true. before. But anyway, I'll be curious to get your feedback from that show. What else are we talking about today? So as usual, we're starting with the news, some exciting news items coming out. And then we have two super, super tactical stories. Top five things to get your Google business profile to stand out. Local is a big game. And, and I will foreshadow that this is not exactly what you'll think it is, right? And we're also going into dig deep into the dirty, underhanded world of chat for law firms and how that has really been abused. My experience watching the abuse of chat implemented on law firm websites. Money does what? Money makes a Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice. Here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. We are so glad to have you back. And if this is your first time listening, thank you for sharing a little part of your day with us. We have a great episode for you today. But first, as always, let's hit the news. Gee. I understand there is a big merger in the works in the legal world. What's going on? Fast case merges with VLAX to accelerate investment into legal AI. You know, AI is hot, chat's hot, even though this isn't specific necessarily to marketing. Well, maybe there's some applications, but fast case, I've always been a huge fan of fast case, huge fan of their kind of view on freeing the law and making it more accessible. And so they're going global. The VLEX merger, I think it's a big, it's gonna be a big win for everybody who cares about accessible law and you know using artificial intelligence to do legal research. And finally, maybe it breaks up what uh, Bob Ambrosi referred to as the Wexus duopoly between Westlaw and Lexus. So exciting times. All right. We also, in a little closer to home for you and I, uh, the local search algo ranking factors came out from Darren Shaw. Can you tell listeners a little bit about that and why you and I are so particularly fond of this one? Well, first, thanks to originally to David Mim, uh, who handed the torch off to Darren, I think in 2017. But thank you to Darren and White Spark, one of the premier. If you're listening to this, keep listening. But when it's done, go to uh, check out the local search ranking factors survey. We'll provide a link. To me, it's like the preeminent resource for local. It's a bunch of some of the industry, uh, the who's who of the local search industry, provide feedback of what they saw over the last year of what's moving the dial in local. And um, 
anyway, it's out. And uh, you and I are both contributors. We're grateful to be very grateful and proud contributors. And uh, go check that out. Free resource. Great job, White Spark and Darren. Yeah, I mean, super, super valuable. And some surprises in that as well. I also, I just got back from my trip to Atlanta with Michael Mogul. Game-changing attorney podcast turned out really, really well. You know, Gee, we are completely spoiled with the LHLM crew and the production work that goes into that. And I, I had the same experience with uh, the group at Crisp. So uh, check that out. We'll make sure we put a link to my episode in the show notes. And Near Media, what's going on with the uh, Near Media study? You know, another resource, we think we've talked about Near Media before, but um, should definitely subscribe to their email newsletter, at, le- at the very least. They also do videos and whatnot. But I saw and the newsletter popped into my feed as we were getting ready to do this episode. And it, they're actually referencing a study by Ahrefs about does going viral help with SEO? Not really. So we'll provide a link to that. But the big story, the, the reason that I thought it was relevant for us, we talk about this all the time. Essentially, they analyze the gravity payment story uh, the guy who gave everybody 70K and all the drama that came out from that became a huge story. Tons of links didn't move the dial on rankings for relevant queries. And so the TLDR is, is and we've talked about this, but this high DA and page authority and all these traditional uh, metrics, it's another example of how those metrics don't actually matter when it comes to ranking in particular keyword universes, right? So anyway, I think it's really valuable for lawyers to go check that out, especially if your agency or your marketing team is jumping up and down celebrating because they got links from some major publisher site. Probably not going to do that much. It's fascinating, right? Um, We're going to get back. We're going to circle this back around to links later on. But really fascinating article and, and not what we'd expect. I feel like the word go viral, we should give like a dog shock caller every time someone says go viral. In the same way it was, uh, you know, with the word synergy or the use of SEO as a verb. Please SEO my site or put some SEO on my website, right? When we come back after the break, we're going to go deep into Darren Shaw's local rankings factor report, top five things that Guy and I think, not necessarily what the report thinks, but top five things Guy and I think you should do to make your Google business profile stand out. Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app. And we're back. So we're going to talk about the five things that Guy and I think you should do 
to make your Google business profile stand out? Well, you know, we frame this as Google business profiles to stand out, and this certainly will stand out. But I think what we really mean is help you appear in local show up. But yeah, because, you know, I think stay, I mean, some of these things do both, right? They help you show up as well as stand out. But anyway, I digress. I just wanted to clarify that. You and I were just contributors to Darren Shaw's local ranking factor. What's your number one? Number one seems like a no-brainer to me. Change your business name to include keywords. It still works. Really? Um, Come on. This is so 2019, and it still still works. works. Uh, Still works really, really well. And sorry, um, everyone. Google can't seem to crack this nut. But you know, just to be clear, what we mean is not just to change it on Google Business Profile, but to actually change the name of your firm from like Conrad Sam attorney at law to Conrad Sam Seattle injury lawyer or something. Um, Now, again, we're just talking about what we see working here. Is that good branding advice? Probably not in a lot of cases, right? Especially these businesses that change it to like law firm near me, like not great branding. In fact, that one probably won't do that much, but the keywords like the practice area specific, city area specific stuff, it unfortunately does seem to work. So come on, Google. Figure it out. Come on, Google. It's been years. You're better than this. And we can also use a DBA for this. Because we're giving tactical advice, you can do this as a DBA. So you don't actually have to go and completely change your legal name. And dear ethics people, some states allow trade names for law firms. Some states, at least last time I checked, did not. So check your state bar. Woohoo! And then you can just throw the words underneath your pre-existing logo so it doesn't look like you've actually made a brand change. All right. Mm. I'm so tired of doing that. All right, number two. What's up for number two, Guy? Proximity. So that's just, you know, that's a uh, distance is one of the big three, relevance, distance, prominence. And, you know, Google's tightening, they're clamping down on the distance in which they're showing businesses from either where the searcher is or what the searcher is looking for. So if you're in downtown Chicago and you search for a personal injury lawyer, they're going to show you a very small radius of law firms right around you. And the other part to that, the other side to that proximal answer is if there are lots of other law firms around, right, it's really difficult to be more proximal to the vast majority of the population. So it, it does have implicit in the answer relative proximalness. Relative proximalness. Wow. Is that a, that's an MBA I, thing, I guess. I they maybe teach that in law school. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it is a competitive thing. Zero-sum game. So if you're the only one in town, Merry Christmas. If you are moving into downtown, you're moving into a world of hurt. All right. The next one surprises me. Number three. Does it? Well, the the, the nuance to this was a surprise. So let's, All right. Let's, let's so this deeper. actually, I, th- I believe this was either, this might have been number one. I didn't memorize the results to the local search running factor survey, but I think this might be number one on the survey results. Primary, primary category. category. Now, I think another thing just about this survey in general that you have to remember is that the contributors don't just work in legal. But I will say this. If you if you put the wrong... If you ever tried putting the wrong category in your primary category, let me promise you something. You will disappear from the relevant queries. So, you know, if you switch... If your Google business profile is personal injury attorney and you switch it to, like, plumber, let me tell you, you'll disappear immediately. Bye, bye. Or... If, say, a dirty, underhanded competitor switches it to plumber. Right. So primary category matters a lot. And again, the guidance here, two things I think are worth noting. One is primary category, be as specific as you can. Don't opt for attorney over, you know, family law attorney or 
personal injury attorney. And number two is category dilution is a myth, right? And so used to, people used to think, oh, don't list a bunch of categories because it'll dilute your power, your ranking power for your primary category. I believe Darren was a big part of debunking that myth. So kudos to Darren. 100%. That was the, la- the last time the local search ranking factory came out. That was a big part of the conversation as that being a myth. Let me ask you this because I, I got this question just recently. Hey, Gee, my practice of law doesn't really show up perfectly as a category in Google. So I'm just going to leave myself as a law firm. Should I do that? Yeah, and probably not. Um, and I believe they, and they've gone back and forth on this, but I believe as of right now, they still allow for custom categories. The ideal is find one that matches closest. Then I would think custom category. I can't remember if they allow, this shows how old and removed I'm getting from this stuff, but I can't remember if currently at the moment of recording, because it changes so often, whether or not they allow you to use a custom category as your primary. I think they so do. My concern here is the law firms that can't map perfectly and therefore don't map at all. So right. in, in order to avoid confusion from prospective clients, I understand that. The problem is if you don't map at all, you will not confuse anybody because no one will ever see you. So You'll confuse yourself because you won't confu- under, you'll yes. be wondering why the phone isn't ringing. Yes, yes. All right, number four. Let's go deeper on number four because there's a lot to this. Number four, you, yeah. you replaced links. Guy replaced links with... I did, with services. And, and just to qualify that, because all my fans of meh links are going to be like, what? But, you know, we kind of thought of this as like, what are the things you can do to your Google business profile? And links, you know, are not really to your Google business profile. And so I was swapped in, which I, which would be close on the top five for me anyway, is creating services. So editing the services inside your Google business profile. This is a new-ish feature on Google business profiles, but the impact, Darren's tested this. I was, we were, it's funny because we were going back and forth about this, but the services inside Google business profile and having individual service pages on your website is a big factor. And they do allow custom services in there. So hit those up, go crazy with your services. Okay. And finally... What's number five? Which I'm surprised we are down at number five on this, but go ahead. What's number five? Well, I didn't write this one, but uh, <laughs> it's it's fake reviews is what it is. But yeah, sad review, both review count and review sentiment are part of the ranking factors, part of the prominence factor. And so these firms that are crushing the fake review game, which you know, I know you, Joy, and I talked about, and maybe we'll do some clips from that on LHLM, but it's a huge problem and it is really, really impactful. Yeah, it is a huge problem. And unfortunately, if you look at any big market, you're going to see lots and lots of reviews. And I would say, in fact, to preview bringing Joy Hawkins in to talk about fake reviews, one of the things that we did ask her is, okay, in any given market, in any competitive market, should you just not bother doing reviews ethically because it's all fake? And she said, you know, it's not that bad, but at least one out of the three is usually full of fake reviews. So reviews are important. I would not recommend doing fake reviews. I think, Gee, your ethics birdie in the ear would not recommend doing fake reviews, but it, it makes it stand out. So that's the, the answer to the question. Now, listen, Gee, the one thing I thought you were going to give the cynical answer 
of the absolute best way to show up in Google Local, go ahead. Yeah. What is the best way? My, well, I'm trying to be less cynical, so that's what. That's wow, the, I was keep th- turning I was th- down the cynicism. Okay, it, it was. I mean, this it was new. my idea. So, who but, are you, and uh, what did you do with my friend? Right. Um, so, local service ads. Right. So, the, if you can't do any of these things, just go buy them. Right. Go, go buy, buy ads. your way. But in. if you can get those ads to spend, which I know is a challenge, and I think more and more we're seeing, sadly, that things like fake reviews help your local services ads show up more frequently. All right. When we return, we get into, is your chat vendor selling leads off of your website? The answer is yes. And now for a chat chat. Conrad, I am a subscriber to your blog at Mockingbird, and I noticed that you have a very interesting story to talk about about chat and you know we're gonna get we're gonna dive deep into that story but their thing that i think about here is i I think back to the aba's legal tech report um where it showed that not a lot of people are actually using chat i think like 80 percent of respondents say they don't have chat on their website i used to be very skeptical of chat i used to think you know it cannibalized phone calls and who wants to chat but by the way, our data shows that that's just not the case. I don't know if you have uh, an opinion on that and the cannibalization thing. But then on top of that, you know, a lot of these chat interfaces now, they can also text. And so in terms of reducing friction for people who want to use that to contact law firms, I think chat can be a really, really effective thing. But Conrad, tell your tale. Well, let me first, I, I want to hit the cannibalization question early because I think it's important in general. Implemented correctly and with a user in mind, adding chat will give people a different way to contact your firm. And that is 100% appropriate, right? And so what you end up with is you will lose, and again, this is dependent on how the implementation goes, but you will lose some phone calls to chat. And chat actually converts at a lower rate than phone calls do. But overall, and if you handle your inbounds really, really well, overall, the number of leads will increase because some people just do not want to pick up the phone and talk to you right now. And they're comfortable with chat. So I want to talk about that. And that's why like, we really push chat on most of our clients. I have very, very few of our clients. Key, I don't know if you have the same experience, but very, very few of our clients, because we're a growth-oriented marketing agency and we work with a growth-oriented firm, don't have chat. Yeah. No, I think, um, I don't know. I think a lot of our clients do have chat, but again, it, it goes to the implementation. I mean, all the primary calls to action are always phone numbers. And, and we've actually been using um, Leadferno. Shout out to Leadferno which is uh, provides a text interface. You could also link chat up to it, but it's more of like a call to action widget with texting. Because again, I, you know, I think of chat and I'm like, well, the lines between these different ways to communicate are kind of blurring because it's like you got chat, you've got text, you've got messaging apps. And to your point, form it's fills. more about the form fills. To your point though, I think... It's more about the way that it's all implemented. And, and my view has always been this, give people options so that they can self-select yeah. to the way that they want to communicate with you. But if you've got a modal overlay that's like blacking everything out with a live chat prompt, well, guess what? That's not what people want. So, right. um, and if you're doing that on mobile, you might get a little ding from our old friends over at Big G. And that was that was one of the many reasons I, I am cynical when it comes to chat vendors. 
The, but you're about to give us one more reason to oh, be I'm very gonna give you, I mean, it's going to go even deeper. The, the chat implementation that covers the phone number on a mobile device, so you, the only way to interact with that law firm is to chat with them, and then you pay that vendor on a per-chat basis. That is disgusting, and that is just one of the many ways that chat vendors are horrible. And here's another one. So I'll tell the story. And this, this is a true story I have with a client of ours. What we found is one of the problems with chat is you're dealing with conversion. Right, And there's a lot of data that comes out of conversion. And there's a lot of value in those conversions. And what we have found with Engage specifically, and I'll tell you how they rolled this out. I'm going to first tell you how it works, and I will then tell you how they rolled it out, both of which are amazingly problematic. Basically, what they do is they use chat to try and ascertain whether or not that prospect is within the market of the law firm. And within the market looks like geography and practice area. Now, I asked them how this actually works, and I couldn't get any further detail. In fact, I asked four different people how it works at Engage. I couldn't get any detail on how it works. But if they determine that that prospect is not within market, what they do is they will take that and I believe send it through that prospect to multiple other law firms through one of the internet brand's lead selling services. So they're monetizing and they're delivering that prospect as a lead to multiple other law firms. Now, I get what they're trying to do here because it is you're basically trying to generate more value out of something that otherwise that you seem to see have no value. If you're going to do that, you better be really really good at ascertaining whether or not that prospect is within market and they're not. Right, So they erroneously will take a lead and send it to three different law firms. And to make it even worse, they will tell the prospect, they gather that prospect's email information during the chat session. They will impersonate the law firm and say that they are from the intake uh, department at Smith & Jones Law Firm. And they will tell that prospect, sorry, we can't help you, but we have sent your information to three firms that we believe can. Right. So why would a law firm ever uh, uh, opt into this? Ha! Oh, it's almost like you've seen my show notes. So (laughs) this is like all of you are sitting here listening and cringing. I don't get it. So so how how why would anyone ever do this? So this is called their consumer assistance program, and in September of 2021, they sent out an email notifying their clients that they had been opted in to the consumer assistance program. And I'll read this because I can't believe the hubris. To better serve our clients and your website visitors, I mean, the irony is just dripping, we will be deploying consumer assistance to all Engage legal clients. Now, it does say, if you like additional information on this feature or if this does not seem like a good fit for your firm, please let me know. But this was just sent out in an email, a mass email. And I guarantee you, that the vast majority of their clients do not know anything about the consumer assistance program. And so wow. it's, uh, it's it's pretty pretty brazen, right? Pretty Dear brazen. law firm, we just turned you into a lead generation company. We just opened you up to a bunch of potential ethics issues. You're you're impersonating, you're being impersonated. Yikes. I mean, Yikes all across the board. And you, I'm in your good journalistic integrity, reached out to them for comment, no doubt. I did. I didn't get much back. How did they explain themselves? 
Uh, it was really, um, I think here I can read this out because I've got the email which I posted. Unfortunately, Conrad Som is completely misinformed. Engage clients can find an accurate report of how consumer assistance works here, which is a link to the same thing that I linked to, or they can contact their Engage account representative at any time, and we're happy to help. But I so mean, I w- they didn't so- <laughs> dispute anything that I said, and I, and I sent them the, the 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 blog. So I don't know; it's pretty gross. So whether you use this particular chat or not, and and really, you know, this a couple lessons here. One is. You got to read the terms. I, you know, we can debate about the effectiveness of this this opt out in thing, but you got to know what your vendors are doing, especially in this context. So I don't care what chat you use. You better call your chat provider up right now or send them an email and be like, "Can you confirm that you're not sending contacts from my website to other lawyers?" Because again, to Conrad's point, and and we talked about different dimensions of this, but Conrad, I don't know how detailed you can tell the story but for your client we're talking about hundreds of potentially either qualified contacts and or referrals that could be made that were generated on this your client's website that were then distributed to many other law firms well i think i think you hit on one i have a lot of problems with this a lot of problems <laughs> But I think you hit on one that we haven't talked about yet, which is the referrals, right? So like, again, I said, I get what they're trying to do. You have a lead. You should try and get value out of that lead, even if you can't help that person. You and I have talked well, about d- that over and over again, right? So here's a question for you. Here's another good, yeah. this wasn't clear to me. Do I get paid per lead that I refer to somebody else? Like, are they giving me a discount or a break or something? So they, you no longer have to pay for that chat. Yeah. So just you, but isn't that true anyway? Because you would just say it's not qualified. Or do they not? So, they not allow you to pay for unqualified? I, I don't know about the. I, I don't know enough about the way Engage handles the unqualified leads. I don't know. I can't answer that question. I think you can dispute because it is paper chat, I believe. But the paper chat model is also problematic, right? I thought I saw it is. I thought I saw something though. I don't know if it was on their page. So in the blog post and and this and I didn't get anything from Engage on this specifically but the client did tell me that they were actually getting paid $10 for those leads. So not only were you not charged okay. for that 22 or the, for the for the paper lead but you also got an incentive to do it. But I I did yeah. not get any confirmation from I I couldn't find that anywhere in the emails, right? From So if you're a, if you're a new lawyer or you're new to online lead generation and paper lead programs in general, do some homework. Because as Conrad alluded to, there's a lot of issues with paper chat, paper lead. And in particular, in this particular case, the thing that it, that really, there's a lot of things also that concerned me about this whole situation. But, you know, in terms of like your law license and opening yourself up to malpractice claims, you know, if you're in a state that's joint and several liability for referrals... You know, the lawyer that you don't even know you're making a referral. Right. You know, but technically from the consumer standpoint, not only does it look like a referral, it looks like it's coming from your firm. You're telling the consumer that it is coming from your firm, right? They, they're doing that on your behalf. Red alert. But the other Man, thing we need, that... We need a red like, alert sound. You've Yeah, do we have a... Wee, wee. <laughs> that sound brought to you by the it's really attorneys good. in New York. No, but but the thing that drives me, and one of the many things that drives me crazy about this is those referrals. Like, like okay, so this is not a good fit for your firm, right? And so let's assume that they're even accurately making that assertion. They're not. They're not. There's no but, way. Yeah, they're but they're not. not. So let's but let's assume that 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 they've met that that threshold. Even then, 
What you want to do, and we've said this over and over again, is generate as much value from that. Send that out to your friends. Send that referral out. Build relationships with other lawyers. Hire firms. another lawyer. Hire another lawyer. Like, like realize that, like, hey, we're getting hit up to do DUIs all the time. So maybe we hire a DUI. Like, do something with this. Like, and, and this is one of the things that drives me crazy around the like all the time with lawyers is like, oh, well, these are all garbage matters. These aren't, aren't what we're looking for. Great. But you have to figure out how to extract value from that because you're doing the really hard, expensive part of growing your law firm and you're getting this asset that someone can leverage, right? And so you need to get yourself into that mode of actually helping people. And and by doing this, they are cutting the law firms, their own clients out of the opportunity for doing that. And that is disgusting. So don't, in case you missed it, <laughs> don't accidentally refer leads to your competitors on your firm's letterhead. Blinding insight brought to you by Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Jeez. <laughs> And now we would like to issue a correction. Dear listener, here on Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, we pride ourselves with giving you tactical marketing advice you can immediately turn around and use in your law firm every episode. And reporting the cold hard facts of the legal industry, it is with great regret that we must inform you that we have failed in this mission. Last episode, we reported that our good friend, Tim Semmelroth, usually listened to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing in the nude. We're ashamed to admit we were mistaken, and we are deeply and sincerely repentant. Tim sent us a review to set the record straight. And we would now like to read that review. Five stars from Tim Semmelroth. It's hard to exercise while listening to this can't miss podcast because I frequently have to stop to write things down. Bad for cardio health, but good for my firm health. By the way, my actual quote from our 2023 tech show visit was, it was wild to listen to you with my pants on since I listened while working out. For the record, I don't listen to any podcast while naked. Tim, thank you for listening. Thank you for setting the record straight. And thanks for the review. I liked how you put one into like the like the creepy psychiatrist mode there with the background music. Well, that's what I was I was inspired by yeah, our well done. great audio engineering. Okay, folks, we're not quite there in our goal of getting to 50 ratings and reviews, although we did have an influx. Thank you, those uh, who left reviews for the show. So if you haven't, we'd greatly appreciate you heading over to Apple Podcasts and letting us know what you think. As always, please do reach out to us on the LHLM hashtag, the YouTubes, the other tubes, and everywhere else that you can find us. And with that, we are sadly out of time. Thank you again to Tim and our most recent reviewers. Thank you all for listening. And if you just accidentally landed here, like our friends who use Engage, then please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting doohickeys. Thank you so much for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, Conrad and Gee, bidding you adieu. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. 
subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Too much, Conrad. Is this still too much? Because I can turn him down even further. My wife wants a gain knob for me. Well, at least it's not a mute button. (laughs) It can be. She wants to hear you just a little less. (laughs) If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.